And so I guess the question is, what will today bring us? I mean, that has to be the question in the minds of Toronto Blue Jays fans, I would think, or all baseball fans for that matter. As uh, this delayed spring training kicks into high gear with, I don't know, a couple of months worth of personnel moves being compressed into, what, a week, six days, five days? The Blue Jays have made one significant pickup since spring finally sprung following those CBA talks. Signing Yusei Kikuchi to a three-year, $36 million contract in the hope that Pete Walker can do for him what he did for Robbie Ray and Steven Matz. I guess the difference this time is that if Pete Walker works his magic with Yusei Kikuchi, the Jays will be the beneficiary this year and two years afterwards. Whereas with Robbie Ray, they got one full year of Robbie Ray. Cy Young year, I might add, out of Robbie Ray after Pete Walker fixed him. And, of course, Stephen Matz. Well, Stephen Matz ended up signing with the St. Louis Cardinals as a free agent after, after Pete Walker corrected him. So that's where the Jays are right now. The two biggest names in free agency, I guess the two biggest names that have not yet been signed, Carlos Correa and Freddie Freeman, well, they're still on the board. And Jose Ramirez, who is the Jays' target, has been the Jays' target, was the Jays' target, gosh, going back to the trade deadline. Well, as far as we know right now, he is still with the Cleveland Guardians. And 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 maybe the most intriguing move of all this offseason happened last night late Sunday night when the Yankees acquired Josh Donaldson and about $50 million worth of salary and infielder Isaiah Kiner-Falafa, as well as a uh, catching prospect, Ben Rortvet from the Minnesota Twins for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. So that's right. JD MVP is back in the AL East. Now, this acquisition, plus the apparent willingness of New York Mets owner Steve Cohen to spend whatever it takes to win seems to have returned the access of baseball to New York, which is good because no disrespect to the Rays or the Dodgers or the Astros, but I frankly always felt baseball was better when the game revolved around New York City. That especially when the Yankees were winning, the game's narrative seemed a little richer, just resonated a little stronger, and of course, whatever move the Yankees make or whatever moves they will make in the future, it bears watching in this particular neck of the woods because both of these teams' postseason aspirations, the Jays and the Yankees, well, they go through each other's cities. Now, we'll be joined later on in the show by longtime New York baseball commentator John Harper of SNY New York. He will talk about what in heck is going on with the Mets and the Yankees. The big man, the mayor of Back Lake City, he is en route to Florida and will begin coverage for us tomorrow. But in the meantime, we've managed to secure the services of Hazel May, and I think that's a trade most of us would make. She'll join us in a few minutes from the Blue Jays Complex in Dunedin. Kevin Barker, as I said, will begin reporting from Florida tomorrow. I am Jeff Blair. This is Blair and Barker. You can grab our pod wherever you get your favorites. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll be live on the air from 10 to 11 Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fan up until the start of the regular season when we'll shift to two hours. So with that said, let's get you caught up a bit in the Jays before we bring in Hazel May Saturday. 
They acquired 30-year-old lefty Yusei Kikuchi. And his 2020, uh, his 2021, I should say, was was it was a tale of two seasons. You know, six and four, 348 ERA in the first half of the season. Went to the All-Star game as a member of the Seattle Mariners, as the Seattle Mariners' only rep, in fact. Followed that up with a second half that, well, I mean, I can't put this any other way. There's a second half that saw him pitch himself off the team, and I mean literally. Lost a spot in the rotation, and the Mariners elected not to exercise a four-year, $66 million option. Kikuchi, who had a one-year, $13 million player option that many people anticipated he would exercise, uh, he turned that down, entering a fairly crowded free agent market. And as it turns out, as it turns out, I would think you'd have to say coming out ahead. Uh, Barker and myself spoke to Ryan Divish, who covers the Seattle Mariners for the Seattle Times on Saturday. And he made the point that, yes, there are mechanical things and, and issues with pitch choice on the part of Kikuchi. We'll talk about that a little later. But by and large, the feeling around Seattle was that simply Kikuchi needed a change of scenery and the Mariners needed to move on from him and of course there's a little bit of irony in that the Mariners went out and signed Robbie Ray as a free agent to effectively replace Yusei Kikuchi uh, in in their rotation so a guy that Pete Walker resurrected replaced a guy that Pete Walker will be charged with resurrecting and what do we mean by that well here's a way to look at this this signing uh, this rounds out the Jays' rotation. The Jays' rotation will be Jose Barrios, Alec Manoa, Hyunjin Ryu, Kevin Gossman, and now you say Kikuchi. And you can pick the order, pick whichever order you want. There seems to be an indication that Jose Barrios will pitch the, the Jays' first Grapefruit League game, and I would imagine he would be, I would imagine he would be the starting pitcher at home against Texas for the opener. Uh, but again, that's yeah, we'll we'll see how Charlie Montoyo. How Charlie Montoyo sets things up. Uh, Charlie Montoyo, the manager of the Blue Jays, said that a result of the as a result of the acquisition, Ross Stripling, Anthony K, Thomas Hatch. I'm sorry, Ross Stripling, Anthony K, Nate Pearson are all still going to be looked at as starting pitchers in spring training. So they're going to be stretched out now. The acquisition of Kikuchi. Uh, would seem to have the most immediate impact, first and foremost, on Ross Stripling and Nate Pearson. Uh, Ross Stripling has pretty much shown the Jays that he'll do whatever they want him to do. And uh, I think most people look at Ross Stripling now as being a swing man for the Blue Jays. Nate Pearson is interesting. There are two schools of thought with Nate Pearson. One, that Nate Pearson will, will go down to AAA as a starter and will basically pitch a AAA until the Jays are ready to bring him up. I don't necessarily I'm not entirely buying into that uh, we had Ben Wagner on Saturday on Blair and Barker and Ben made the point that most of the chatter around the Jays camp seems to be that Nate Pearson this is his time right the the, the kid gloves are off you are a major league pitcher just go out there air it out and let's see what happens the thinking seems to be that Nate Pearson could be on the roster when the team breaks camp in, in a bit of a piggyback situation. Because let's be clear, nobody is going to be built up, given the shortened spring training, to where they would normally be 
when camp breaks. So there's a very good chance you will need somebody to back up a starting pitcher. Let's say, for example, Hyunjin Ryu. Let's say he, he labors through three and a third, three and two, third, four innings, which is entirely possible. At that point, perhaps you bring in Nate Pearson to pitch two innings or three innings or however many innings as long as he's, as long as he's got it going on. So that seems to be the thinking when it comes to uh, to Nate to Nate Pearson, there's a lot more to talk about regarding you say Kikuchi, and uh, especially the role that Pete Walker is going to play in 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 getting him back on track. But right now, let's go to the Blue Jays spring training complex in Dunedin, Florida, where we are joined by Hazel May. Hazel, thanks so much for taking time out uh, taking time out for us today. I know how busy that first full day can be. I can hear voices in the background. Yeah. Um, is everybody, we know Hyunjin Ryu is going to arrive, I believe, tonight or tomorrow from, Correct. from Korea. Uh, who else is there and who isn't there? The only person that outside of Hyunjin Ryu that is, you know, still to report was Yusei Kikuchi. But as I arrived this morning at about nine o'clock, he and some uh, media people from uh, Japan had boarded a, um, a vehicle. And I was told then by the uh, a Blue Jays official that he came in early this morning to check in, did part of his physical, and he was en route to one of the local hospitals here in Dunedin to complete the rest of his physical. Um, so we have not seen him to say hello per se. Kevin Gosman came in to check into uh, camp late afternoon yesterday and uh, showed up early this morning before we were allowed in. So we have yet to say hello. Right now, I am behind the batting cage on field one where Louis Rivera, you can hear the bats going, um, is hitting ground balls to both Bobachette there at short. And it looks like... I'm trying to see, is that Kevin Smith? Yes, Kevin Smith and Santiago Espinal is at third. Uh, right now, the outfielders are working with Mark Batinski down the right field line. The mood is light. Uh, you know, George Springer holding court as he usually does in the mornings <laughs> with jokes and, and all sorts of stuff. There's a lot of hugging. There's a lot of, uh, you know, razzing each other. But so far, everybody is here, Jeff. We're just waiting for Kikuchi and uh, Kevin Gosman just to come out and say hello to us. Now, this is, of course, an interesting spring, Hazel, because of the late start, because there are a lot of moves that are being made around the game. I, I, what's, what's the mood like there in that regard? Because, I, look, I, I think it's safe to say that most Blue Jays fans are expecting another significant, one or two significant player ads from the front office, whether or not that materializes. I, I think I'm safe in saying we expect it. I'm sure the players, the players are looking around, and I'm sure they expect something as well. I spoke to Kevin Biggio yesterday, and he said, look, we already had a talented team, but when he heard about Gosman and he heard about, you know, Yumi Garcia and most recently uh, Kikuchi, he said, we're that much better, and it just is added motivation um, that and added confidence that these guys can not only make it into the postseason, but... The number one goal, as Reese McGuire reminded me, was to win a world championship. These guys, you know, as they have been over the last couple of years, don't want to squeak into the postseason. That's not where their sights are set. To them, it's a given. It's how deep into the postseason they want to go and ultimately a World Series championship. I asked these guys, you know, 
does the shortened spring, you know, any concerns there? Uh, a couple of pitchers told Shida Vidi and myself that they were sent home with a plan immediately after the end of the regular season last year, knowing that a, a lockout could be looming. All the pitchers were given kind of a plan on how to build up in, in, in case of a lockout because you're kind of left to your own devices. I have yet to speak to Guillermo Martinez. Um, just looking right now, I, I don't see G out here, but I'd be interested to find out from him what kind of quote-unquote plan uh, was given to the position players and how to you know stay, stay ready in case you know, a lockout happens and in the event that they'll they're given 24 to 48 hours to show up at camp. So that'll be interesting. A lot of guys feel like they're, they're already in shape and on schedule. Uh, Jose Barrios told us yesterday that he's been working hard. And I asked him, I said, do you feel like you're maybe a week back in, in any of your bullpens? He said he's already thrown two live BPs even before showing up here at camp. So um, I, I guess that goes towards these guys you know, being excited because they feel that they've got a legit chance at a World Series. And as I just say that, I see Kevin Gosman just stepped out onto the field there. He is, I'm trying to find out, he is playing catch. I'm not sure right now. I'm at that age when I really should be wearing a pair of glasses, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> and, we all get there uh, eventually. And, and you, know, you know, Jeff, they give you those, you know, spring training rosters. Uh, with yes. everybody's numbers and names, it is so small in the font. I'm like, these people are killing me right now. They're killing me. I can't see. Uh, I, I've, I've been there, believe me. Two very quick questions. We'll let you go back to work. One, uh, Josh Donaldson back in the AL East. Any oh. anybody any, anybody talking about that today? You know what? Besides a couple of the media members, no. I mean, the guys have been on the field since about 8.30, just uh, warming up and stretching. But no one has said anything, to, to be honest with you. Okay. I really feel like, and you know this, I really feel like the page has turned, the chapter has turned, the, you know, that era of Blue Jays baseball. Um, it was euphoric and it was amazing. But a lot of these guys, you know, they, they didn't play with, with JD. They have, mm-hmm. obviously know who he is. But I think they're all really just focused on this core, this young core that's going to be competing for many years to come. And last question, just a housekeeping question. Are we expecting to hear from Mark Ross or Ross today? Do we know? Uh, I have not. I can tell you that uh, we have not seen Ross, and I'm thinking that's probably a good thing uh, since we <laughs> yes. arrived because he's probably in the beautiful uh, offices here at PDC, hopefully working on some things. I am told that there is a news conference tomorrow and that Ross Atkins will be made available. Uh, there's been nothing confirmed, but my sources are telling me that it may be uh, Yusei Kikuchi being introduced um, officially as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. So we'll see what Ross has to say tomorrow, but that is the plan so far is that we are going to wait and hopefully we'll uh, be able to speak to Kevin Gosman uh, in person once, once he's done work. Hazel, thanks so much for doing this. Enjoy your final day of solitude before Kevin gets down there. Um, oh, have a nice, you know, go out tonight, have a nice, have a nice dinner, nice relaxing drink. Enjoy the the calm and the peace because you know what tomorrow is going to be like 
it's yeah, it's crazy, and it's really exciting. I wish you were down here, but uh, just rest assured, Blue Jays fans, that these guys are pumped, and they cannot wait to play in front of a full crowd, sold-out crowd Thanks, there at Rogers Center. Okay, take care, see you guys. Safe travels. Yep. That's Hazel May of Sportsnet at the Blue Jays Player Development Complex. And if you're wondering, we talk about the Blue Jays Player Development Complex. <clears throat> a reminder that this year, uh, the Jays the Jays have spent a ton of money on their Player Development Complex, which is actually not where the ballpark is. I know a lot of you who've been down to Florida will understand this, but for people who haven't been there, I know it's about a 5 or 10 minute drive away, depending on whether or not you make a pit stop at Dunkin' Donuts for one of those big-ass coffees. It's about a 5- to 10-minute drive uh, from the actual ballpark. And that is where all of the... That's that's sort of the... That's the hub for the Blue Jays now. That's where the players will report in the morning. Uh, in the past, they would spend the first part of spring training there, then everything would be transferred over to the clubhouse at TD Bank Ballpark. The plan, as far as I know right now, is for the Jays to do all their work at the player development complex. And then whether it's a bus or in some cases a lot of guys will just drive, they will drive to the ballpark. So I don't even know if you're going if you're and, and this is something maybe we we can talk about this. We 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 I, I can get one of you who is down there uh when the games start. You can tell me exactly what is going on, whether or not the Jays are going to take batting practice at T D Bank ballpark before the game starts. Uh, or, or how that is going to be handled, but I mean, spring training. The past couple of years, it, you know, teams have, have have adapted the way they've done things. I mean, there's God, guys will get changed at home sometimes. There's that, there was that great picture last year, uh, two years ago, or was it last year, of, of Bryce Harper gassing up his car in his Phillies uniform, you know, with his his shower sandals on. Basically, he just changed at home, I guess, and decided what the hell I'll go to the game. Um, so that that's that's a little bit of a different wrinkle this year. Uh, if you're going out, if you're going down to Dunedin, if you're going to games at TD Bank Ballpark, you may want to may want to check in and see just when exactly batting practice will be held and all that. The visiting teams will most likely take batting practice. Uh, although, again, that's kind of subject to change as well because sometimes the Yankees don't. They'll take batting practice in in Tampa, and uh, everybody will bus over. But we got plenty of time to figure out the lay of the land. I mentioned John Harper of SN. Uh, Sportsnet New York will join us in a few minutes. Just want to touch a little bit more on Yusei Kikuchi. You heard Hazel May say that he is in Dunedin. Uh, he is expected to report today, or he's going through medicals today. You can understand that uh, that, that process is long and involved. So he's going through medicals today. There is a news conference we're led to believe scheduled for tomorrow with Ross Atkins, and I would presume that would be to announce Kikuchi officially. And, uh, you know, maybe as well, who knows, maybe there'll be there'll be other player moves to come. But just to wrap up Kikuchi a little bit before we shift our focus to the Yankees and the Mets. Keep in mind that despite the fact that you say Kikuchi's second half last year was worrisome, to say the least. A couple of things need to be said. One, if you look at left-handed pitchers, with 100 innings pitched in 2021, he had the fifth highest velocity behind Shane McClanahan, Carlos Rodon, Blake Snell. Um, sorry, fourth highest velocity. Yet it still had a decent swing strikeout rate and first strike rate. 
first strike percentage, I should say. One of the issues seemed to be his, I don't know if I'd say it was his reluctance to use a splitter, which is a hugely effective pitch. Opponents hit 176 off it. They had a 282 slugging percentage. He had a 39.6 whiff rate with that with that splitter. Um, but as we found out from Ryan Divish yesterday, the Seattle Mariners reporter for the Seattle Times, it was a pitch that he really didn't... It was a pitch that he kind of developed in May. Uh, he'd thrown what he called a circle changeup. He changed his grip, and the changeup became a splitter. So that has to be kept... That has You have to keep that in mind, and we'll need to do a deeper dive into this with Pete Walker, but with Kevin Gossman and and uh, Yusei Kikuchi, you've got two pitchers who throw really dominant splitters. You know, Alec Manoa mentioned to Barker and myself in our podcast that he might tinker with one as well uh, once he sees Kevin Gossman throw it. So it, it's it's something that the Blue Jays have identified as a particularly effective pitch, and that's how they go about their business. It's a little bit like the Rays, right? Identify one particularly outstanding strength in a pitcher and then kind of rebuild him around it. So my guess with you say Kikuchi is Pete Walker will be trying to figure out a way, whether it's mechanically or mentally, to harness that velocity and make it a little more effective. That may mean cutting down on the number of pitches. Ryan Divish telling us that he thought one of the issues with Yusei Kikuchi was that he simply was listening to too many voices, which sometimes happens when you're in an organization and you've got different people involved in the decision-making process. And and this gets to the point that perhaps Yusei Kikuchi really did need a uh, a bit of a change of scenery. So that's where we are. The money you say Kikuchi's getting three years and $36 million. Essentially, he's getting what the Jays offered Stephen Matz and uh, what Stephen Matz turned down in order to go to the St. Louis Cardinals. So that's the way to look at you say Kikuchi. Makes the rotation better. Makes the rotation deeper. And because there's the possibility of that outstanding pitch going along with the fact that his his velocity is has, has managed to hold level regardless of the results he's received the velocity's always been there you you really get the sense that perhaps this is another almost like another Robbie Ray so I'm not saying he's going to turn into Robbie Ray, but close your eyes and imagine what happens to this rotation if you say Kikuchi becomes, I don't know, if he becomes three-quarters of Robbie Ray. Brios, Gossman, Ryu, Manoa, and a much-improved Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, that is, that is a, has the potential to be a dominant, dominant pitching staff. And perhaps most importantly, other than Hyunjin Ryu, it's under control. That whole group is under control for a long time. So that will be the core, right, between Brios' extension and Gossman's contract. That will be the core of the Blue Jays' rotation going forward through the prime years of Vladdy and the prime years of Bo. In the very least, in the very least, if you're the Blue Jays, you know right now that during those prime years, you're going to have Brios, Gossman, probably Manoa, you know, knock on wood, 
if he stays healthy. And then for the first three years of that sort of that prime era, you've got Kikuchi. That's really good. That is a really good foundation. It doesn't block anybody, doesn't prevent anybody in the organization from reaching the major league rotation. But it gives you a certain amount of comfort knowing that in the very least you should be able in every game in the next couple of years to have at least a competitive starting pitcher out there. You're not going to be diddling around with the Trent Thorntons of the world anymore. And if you compare where the Blue Jays rotation is now to where it was last year coming out of spring training, you've got to feel pretty good about the Blue Jays' chances. John Harper covers the Yankees and Mets for SN New York. He's a longtime New York baseball writer. The Yankees making a big move. Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, he's talking big. Is New York City back to where it should be as the axis, the nexus of Major League Baseball? We'll find out next. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, we got to look at that agreement in, in its entirety. And like I said, $290 million to spend is it's a pretty, pretty big limit. And, and uh, so, you know, listen, i got to live within the, the baseball confines, and, 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 um, and I'm okay with it. Do you so, think you'll go over it this year? Um, we'll probably will, and um, I wouldn't be surprised. And, uh, you know, hard to say how much. Listen, I'm, listen, I'm still new to baseball, and so, you know, I mean, I know there's a name for it. They call it, you know, the Cohen tax, you know, whatever. That's what Nimmo called it. You know, that's what Nimmo called it. You know, the way I describe it, it's better than a bridge being named after you or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's still a lot of money to spend on a payroll, and so I don't feel like it's so confining that I can't live with it. That is Steve Cohen, the owner of the New York Mets yesterday, um, talking about what it's like to have a, well, essentially the new level, the new luxury tax level uh, that uh, is included in the CBA has been called the Steve Cohen luxury tax because it was essentially put in, most people believe, uh, with the understanding that he, perhaps the Los Angeles Dodgers, will go over that. It's, it seems pretty clear that Steve Cohen really doesn't care uh, whether you call it the Cohen tax, the Cohen luxury tax, or whatever. Um, he wants to make the, or he wants to turn the New York Mets very quickly into a uh, into a World Series champion. And as I said in my little intro at the show, I think baseball's just better when when New York is is the axis of it when all the stuff that's happening in New York trickles down to to the other markets so you know as a baseball fan I'm saying to Steve Cohen have at it and uh it's it'll it'll be interesting to see to see how how that battle shapes up this year the Yankees against the Mets the Mets it's pretty clear are going to spend 
uh, to get to where they need to be. They did make a trade over the weekend getting Chris Bassett from the Oakland Athletics. Chris Bassett, a pitcher that we're led to believe the Jays had some interest in. Uh, certainly they did They did earlier in the winter. And, of course, the New York Yankees making a, a, a massive deal last night, acquiring Isaiah, Isaiah Kiner-Falafa and, of course, Josh Donaldson, plus a, a catching prospect for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. The Yankees picking up all of Josh Donaldson's uh, contract, the remainder of the contract. And in a lot of ways, I'm going to bring uh, John Harper of Sportsnet New York and a longtime New York baseball writer. John, thanks for, for, for joining us. We'll talk about the Mets in a minute. But, you know, seeing the Yankees make that move, in some ways, it, it kind of harkens back to what the Yankees used to do. And I'm not necessarily talking about taking on all that money. But the fact that the Yankees do have some depth in the middle infield. They've got two shortstop prospects that a lot of people really like, certainly that the Yankees like internally. And this is a move that addresses their immediate concerns, but it doesn't necessarily block either of those two young shortstops. Uh, it, it, if, 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 they, if either one of them presses the envelope, it's certainly, they certainly have a chance of, of getting to the major leagues, maybe not out of spring training, but sooner as opposed to later. It really is kind of a – it's an interesting strategic move for that team, isn't it? Yeah, Jeff, and uh, how are you? Uh, Good, man. It's, uh, it's, yeah, if it was the old Yankees, they, they would have just gone out and signed Corey Seager, and I thought actually that's what they might do. But they really are not uh, that kind of – I mean, look, they obviously have a big payroll, but they don't uh, spend it all costs anymore. Al Steinbrenner has put the clamps on that in, in recent years. Uh, and this is kind of a curious deal because they did take on, they did take on the money, the Donaldson money, but I think some of it was uh, they finally had to admit that the Gary Sanchez thing just <laughs> it was time to go. I mean, Cashman had been so uh, stubborn, kind of stubborn about that, insisting that this guy was their guy, and every year his defensive issues I thought would create this kind of negativity around the team that affected him in some ways. So <clears throat> they got rid of him, and then. They needed a shortstop, as you said, and they and they didn't want the long, the big, the big ticket shortstop because they didn't want to block the path. This kid Volpe, especially, uh, so yeah, Falefa. Uh, in that case, he, he's a nice fit. He gives them that guy that can be there for maybe one or two years. And then uh, Donaldson, to me, is interesting because he also, you know, him. He's uh, he's kind of a lightning rod type of personality, and Cashman has steered away from those type of guys in recent years. He's tried to. Uh, He's tried to get everybody in line. He, you know, they, they kind of want that, almost that Jeter mentality there. And it's, you know, Donaldson famously called out uh, Cole last year after the sticky stuff. And, you know, they had some pretty public uh, <laughs> back and forth. So that'll be interesting as well. But I almost get the feeling, though, maybe Cashman thinks this team needs a personality like this, a little bit of edge. And I saw John Gibbons was quoted as saying the Yankees could use that type of edge. Uh, to put them over the top. They've been close for, what, five or six, seven years now, and they haven't been able to get there. And maybe Donaldson's a guy that they think uh, will stir things up a little bit. Maybe he thinks they need that. Um, uh, that, to me, would kind of – otherwise, there are some questions about exactly why they would do this and, and exactly what else they're going to do. So they're really a fascinating team to watch right now. Yeah, I think you know, having covered Josh Donaldson for a little bit, I, I mean, I, I will say this. I, I absolutely believe he will embrace 
being in New York. Uh, I mean, that, that'll be, he'll, there are guys, well, I don't have to tell you, you've covered it. There are guys that city eats up. They, Josh Donaldson won't be eaten up by New York. I think Josh Donaldson will absolutely, absolutely, uh, absolutely flourish there. Uh, and yeah, he is, he, he's a different cat. He is someone, someone close to the team told me if you're on a real good team, Josh Donaldson's a good guy to have around <laughs> and I just left it and just left it at that. And, and, but you know, I, what I find interesting. So I look at the Yankees infield right now, Glaber Torres is going to be at second base. I believe How, what are they going to do? You know, they've got Luke Voigt, uh, they've got DJ LeMahieu, um, that, I, and unless I'm wrong, like, how many left-handed bats are there in that lineup right now? Are, are not many. Are, are there not many? many. No, and that's, that's not problem. a Yankee lineup, is it? Well, that was the problem last year. Remember, they had they had virtually no left-handed bats until uh, they went out and traded for Gallo and Rizzo, and it's Gallo's still there. And uh, now, now, I mean, it feels like they're they're still going to do something at first base here. I just they don't. I don't think they're sold on Luke Voigt. He gets hurt a lot. Um, but yeah, they don't have enough spots for all their infielders. Uh, what, you know, Lemayu, where's he going to play? Uh, you know, he's, he's a second baseman, but Torres is his second. Now he could play third, but now you got Donaldson there. So, yeah, you know, there's some speculation already that maybe Torres is going to be included in, in a trade. A lot of people expect them to go ahead and make a trade with the, uh, uh, with the A's for Olsen, bring him in as a first baseman. And maybe maybe Torres would be. I mean, Torres hasn't really lived up to the early. He looked like he was going to be a superstar his first uh, the way he broke in. He hasn't really been that guy the last couple of years. Maybe he would be included in a deal uh, for Olson. They love Olson. I know that people love Olson. They'd love to get him here. But the A's, I was told, was were asking. They wanted Volpe, and they wouldn't get off Volpe. This was pre lockout, so Cashman's not going to do that. Um, but yeah, you're right. Lemayu needs to play. He 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 had an off year last year. Uh, maybe it was related to a hernia that was either discovered or made public late in the year, but he was the guy that he was the he was their, their MVP for the two years before that, and they really suffered offensively when he he fell off last year. So I think he's got to play. You would expect him to bounce back, but they they do have to figure uh, some of this stuff out because you're right, they don't have enough spots for everybody right now. Yeah, and I find it interesting because one of the things the Yankees did so well in the 90s is they 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 made the right moves with their minor leaguers, right? They they got rid of the right guys. They they made the right call on pitchers. They made the right call on position players, you know, knowing when to move on uh from the Sterling Hitchcocks of the world. Uh, you know, or the uh, uh, Roberto Kellys of the world, no, knowing when they can move on to to make room for Bernie Williams, Jeter, and guys like that. That has always been for for all the talk about how much money the Yankees spend in their heyday. They generally did a pretty good job of knowing which prospect to go in on and which prospect to let go, didn't they? Yeah, they did, and uh, they did. You know, they were famously built in the nineties. Uh, for that run with under, under Tory, with that group of uh, Jeter and Bernie Williams, Posada, Pettit, it was a homegrown group, and uh, they haven't really, they hadn't been able to replicate that for years until, you know, they they this, this group in the last several years was called the Baby Bombers with Judge and Sanchez and a few other guys. Sanchez never really lived up to his early promise either, so now yeah they uh, 
they they need some homegrown players because obviously they otherwise they you know they they're over, they're going to be over with at least the first level of tax threshold and I don't think House Steinbrenner he he's made it clear especially the way as successful as the uh, Rays are right there where he lives in Tampa that. Uh, he doesn't think the Yankees should have to be a, you know, well, at one point he said a $200 million payroll a few years ago, but obviously he's past that now, but they need this, this kid Volpe to come up and be a great shortstop. Uh, they need a few other guys in their pipeline. They've really haven't done a good job of developing pitching. And that's why they're always searching for pitching. That's why they paid the big money for Garrett Cole. Um, but you talk about guys, you know, making the right decisions, you know, they hung on to Clint Frazier and he didn't turn mm-hmm. out. They hung on to Andahar. He didn't turn out. They had chances to make trades with those guys, and they didn't do it. So they haven't been as good at that in recent years. Uh, what should we expect of the Mets? You know, I love the Chris Bassett pickup. As I said, it's a guy that I know the Jays were, were in on and were, were interested in. Um, look, Steve Cohen. I, I love Steve Cohen's answer about the, the, the luxury tax threshold and you know he'd rather have a luxury tax threshold named after him than a bridge which i thought was actually pretty uh pretty funny but what's the next move for the mets and how good do you think they really are uh it's a good question because they've underachieved the last couple of years with mostly the same group uh they're going to have here again um but yeah with it's a whole new it's a whole new ball game with Cohen. It was it was kind of funny. It was, he was just casual, casually yet kind of yesterday when he was asked about we go over the the two ninety threshold, the Cohen tax, as he meant himself said, and he kind of said, yeah, we probably will. You know, uh, he didn't didn't say how much, but uh, they're almost at that level now. I don't. They, uh, Billy Epler said he doesn't anticipate getting another bat, an offensive player. Um, most likely, I think they're gonna they uh, they picked up. Uh, the reliever out of Mino yesterday. I think they're still going to work on that bullpen, work around the edges in that bullpen a little bit, and maybe a fourth outfielder type guy. But I don't think that there's any more big splashes coming. Hey, listen, you never know with, if, with Cohen there. But I think they, they feel good about this team. They've changed kind of the offensive makeup by bringing in Starlin Marte, adding some speed and more, a little more contact, uh, as well as Kana and Kana in left field and Escobar. Uh, and then they, they expect bounce backs from some of their guys like Dom Smith and Jeff McNeil. There's still, there still seems to be a pretty good core talent offensively. And then the rest of it is, you know, they added Scherzer to DeGrom, which you can't top that at the top of the rotation. And, and I, I agree with you on Bassett. He's, uh, he's, he's been a really solid starter for the A's. I mean, he's kind of been their ace. He doesn't really have ace like stuff, but he really, I talked to a scout. I wrote about it over the weekend. They think people think he he really knows how to pitch. Uses like five pitches, keeps hitters off speed, induces a lot of weak contact. He, I mean, as a number three, he fits in perfectly behind Scherzer and Degrom. That rotation, and then you add Carrasco, who was hurt a lot last year, and Taiwan Walker, who had a great first half, not so great second half. They have the potential to have the best and deepest starting rotation in baseball. But but obviously, Degrom didn't pitch the second half of the year, and you know you. He, he nobody. It was never clear exactly what it was. Something with his elbow, but uh, he has to stay healthy to make this work. So it's all about the pitching and health. We know Scherzer's getting older now, and he broke down at the end of the year. It didn't really break down, but he had that came back and pitched in relief in the playoffs, and then wasn't able to make his next start in the postseason or two starts later. So he's going to have to be careful about age. But this team should be they, – they were expected to contend the last couple of years. They really underachieved, especially offensively. They've addressed some of those concerns. 
you would think they're going to be uh, very, uh, at least, especially with the expanded playoffs, if they don't make the postseason, it's a huge disappointment. And if the Braves don't bring back Freddie Freeman, I would think the Mets are going to be looked at as the clear favorite in the uh, in the NL East. John, really good of you to do this today. Thanks so much, as always, my friend. Be well. Okay, thanks, Jeff. You got it. Take care. That's John Harper of uh, Sportsnet New York. And the Mets and Yankees will be teams to be constantly, constantly monitored uh, this year. So uh, that is it uh, for today's Blair and Barker. Again, we will be on from 10 to 11 for the rest of spring training. Barker will join us from Florida tomorrow. And it will be on from 10 to 12 once uh, the regular season commences. And then uh, from 4 to 6 in the summer once the uh, NHL, once the Stanley Cup playoffs are over. Uh, a couple of things to keep an eye on today, just as we sum up. Uh, you say Kikuchi is in Dunedin. He is undergoing medicals right now. We are led to believe there will be a news conference tomorrow with Ross Atkins to formally announce you say Kikuchi as uh, the newest member of the Toronto Blue Jays. A lot of people expect a lot of activity on the trade market today, not saying that the Blue Jays will be involved, but we still anticipate all signs are that the Jays are still interested in adding an infielder and another bat uh, as they attempt to get a little more balance into their lineup. Some other things to keep an eye on. Freddie Freeman is still out there. The thinking seems to be Seems to be that it's the Dodgers and the Braves in line for Freddie Freeman. Carlos Correa, he's still available. The intriguing story out of Houston late last night suggesting that perhaps he may sign a one-year contract with the Astros. The figure we're hearing is over $40 million. A one-year contract with the Astros, perhaps with options, uh, but essentially uh, allowing him to return to Houston this year and then if he so decides to go into the free agent market next year. Uh, the acquisition of Isaiah Kiner-Falafa by the, by the Yankees would suggest that they are out of the market if they ever really were in the Carlos Correa market. It would seem to run, run counter to the way the Yankees are thinking. But uh, by process of elimination, if you, if you look around... I, the, I don't know how many teams right now would be willing to ante up 325 or however many million dollars it's going to take to get Carlos Correa. Uh, so perhaps you may see him end up taking that one-year contract uh, with the Houston Astros, which would make a certain amount of sense from his point of view. And he's young enough that if he goes back into the free agent market next year, uh, he's, he's still going to be the most highly touted uh, player out there, or at least one of the most highly touted players out there. So that is it for Blair and Barker. We'll be back tomorrow. The mayor of Back Lake City, the big man, Kevin Barker himself, joins us. Have a great day.